The following presentation is brought to you by the KMmedia.pro network. Each channel is created to provide highly engaging and fascinating content presented in an entertaining light just for you. Please visit www.kmmedia.pro for complete information. So now, stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to My Independence Report. I hope that you'll join us as we declare our freedom from hate, division, and fear by bringing great guests and new thoughts and ideas for you in a fun, uplifting way. Please join me and my friends as we create a blueprint for a better way of life for us, our families, and the planet. And welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to my Independence Report. And today we have a great guest for you today. I'm really excited because this woman has had a life experience like very few of us have had the opportunity to have. And uh, she's working to improve our lives in a myriad of ways. And uh, with that, I'd like to welcome Karen Ringamonti to the show. Karen, how are you today? I'm great, Kevin, and thank you for having me. I would have it no other way because you're pretty awesome. I got to tell you. Well, I'm going to stick with you all the time. <laughs> not everyone thinks that. <laughs> I'm sure. Can Can you tell me what uh, now on your uh, website, which, by the way, is drkaren.org. If you want to follow along, you can go there and you can follow all of the things she does. And in one page, she's got a list of like, I don't know, 40 things that she works with and does and does things with. And I'm not going to read the list, but you can go there, drkaren.org, and you can find out all about that. Um, what is a cultural development specialist? Well, what I believe in is that we all have our own um, culture of um, thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. And they all come from our current perspectives built on our experiences in life, our generational experiences from our families that are conveyed down to us, educational experiences conveyed to us, neighborhood experiences, whatever it is. And we end up with a set of a mindset and a set of perspectives that we function from. And that's our starting point. And then we tell ourselves wonderful stories and very often in not just black and white, but in color. And we start to believe those stories because we hear them so often. So I work with your inner culture of um, building a better mental fitness so that you can be more positive in what you're doing and not think all these negative judging thoughts of yourself and others. And then I work on the interpersonal culture of how you deal with another person like you and I, how we're going to relate today. And then if you have a family or team, how you do there and how that affects your community, your organization, whatever, and then ultimately how it fits in globally. So there's lots of cultures we deal with. You know, I, I really like when you when you talk about that because I, I'm I'm big into the uh, into the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, in a lot of cases, my mine sounds very much like my mother. 
um, rest her soul. And uh, they're, they're stories that uh, have really no honest-to-goodness basis in reality. It is just things that we have told ourselves uh, or that other people have told us and then we believe them because, of course, other people are smarter than we are. And so we end up believing things that probably are not true and in some cases are, pl are blatant, blatantly false. And uh, it's how do you get, how do you work with people to get them to understand that the stories that they grew up with are not who they are? Well, you know, it's funny you talk about that because I'm actually writing a book of things about how we box people in and assume in other people. And it all stems from this very exact question you're asking. And what I've discovered is that these stories we tell ourselves, we tell ourselves so often that we think they're facts. And so I start with asking people a very simple question. When you tell yourself something like this person does this or this is the way it is, ask yourself, is that true 100% of the time? And if the answer is 99%, then it's your opinion, not your facts. Very good. Very good. But a lot of people don't even question. They, they don't even get to the place where they question the stories of, of where they came from and how they grew up and how smart they are, how skinny or fat they are, or how ugly or pretty they are. They don't even question that. Is, is, is there a mechanism by which that we can understand that and begin to question it? Well, I use lots of tools um, from different trainings that I've undertaken and things that I've learned throughout the world, experiences. And what I realize is our culture is not just our geography, our religion, or any of those things. And um, we believe our life experiences are really the honest truth. But what I believe is everybody's right, just not 100%. And so, therefore, we're all wrong, but also, fortunately, not 100%. And so we stem from, I know you're right most of the time. But what would happen if this person just had 1% right? How would you respond? Or what if this were you? How would you respond? And we start trying to level the playing field for the person. And for some people, they get there really fast. And others certainly take much longer. Um, and you're never going to switch someone completely from who they are, their core person. Nor do you want to. But you bring them back to how they were as a child with that open, receptive curiosity. And you remember it. I even look at, I have two very young grandchildren who I just adore. They're inspirational because they fall down, they get back up. They try, they just look for love and appreciation. And that's all people want is to be valued and appreciated. And we don't have to always be right as long as we're valued and appreciated, respected, treated with dignity. It doesn't matter whether you have a disability or you're a different religion or a different race or any of the other 
gender um, identities and sex backgrounds. Um, we all want the same thing, just to be able to be respected and independent. And to enjoy life without regards to what anybody else thinks. Why is it that everybody's opinion of us matters so much to us? Well, that's an interesting question, Kevin. Um, it doesn't really matter, but it's the story in our head that we operate from a world of fear. And we start with the judge and we judge ourselves. We judge everyone we come in contact with and we decide, do we agree? Do we disagree? What parts, um, what are they thinking about me? They must be thinking that I'm fat, thin, tall, short, the wrong religion, the right gender, whatever it is, not smart enough, not rich enough. You never can be perfect. We can be close maybe or think we can get there. We can keep striving, but you're never going to get there because when you get there, you're going to keep increasing the goalpost and moving it. And we never fully accept anything. And so we just think all these things are going to make us happy. And we're so afraid that we won't be good enough. We won't succeed. We won't accomplish enough. And the truth of the matter is when you can just look at all these hardships that life is hitting us with and stop fighting life and stop fighting the circumstance and making ourselves a victim, but turn it around to instead of all this negative energy that drains us, turn it to positive energy where you find the wisdom in it, the gift and the opportunity, and you're grateful for what you have, your whatever health you have, whatever education you have, whatever friends or family you have, whatever opportunities you have, when you start thinking like that, you discover that you have way more positive energy and you actually start to turn things around. And you'll think, see, it's kind of like positive brings positivity to yourself and to others. And the more you smile, the more the people around you smile. The more they smile, the more you smile. And it just keeps on working. You start to realize I'm not looking to get richer, smarter, better, prettier, handsomer, whatever it is, thinner, fatter. It doesn't matter. Those are all the superficial things. And it's who you are inside. And if you look like when I look at my grandchildren, I see their essence now. And I may not be here, and I'm sure I won't be when they're 30 or 40 years old. But they're the same people. And it's only how much life is going to hit them and bombard them, whether they choose to remember who they are now and remain with that core identity or choose to try to fit into somebody else's assumption of what they should be. And when they do that, they're never going to be as happy as they could be the other way around. Why is it, do you think? Because I, I, personally, I think that we have it backwards. We say, if I do this and if I do that, and if I become this, and if I do that, and I become an executive, then I'll be happy. Why don't we say, I'm going to be happy with who I am today, and then let the rest of it play out? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I actually say that to myself. I realized one day, 
I was walking around and I was constantly feeling like a victim and things weren't going my way. And my life is this way because I've got so many difficulties, not a lot of difficulties in most eyes. I mean, but it just felt heavy in that way. And all of a sudden, one day I woke up and I said, I'm done with that. I'm no longer the victim. And I changed my mindset and I said, life is good. And yes, I still want to write my book. And yes, I still want to work with lots more individuals to help them lead more fulfilling lives where they reach their potential and they are better leaders in whatever form that is their choice to be. But I know that if I didn't help another person, I've already been successful. And I already am grateful for all the opportunities I've had, all the family and friends and the good things that have happened. And I'm hoping there are lots more to come. But if not, I enjoy every day now for what it is now. Because if you just look at what's going to be in the future, you're always going to be unhappy and you'll never be fully fulfilled. You know, um, years ago, when I was doing Positive Talk Radio, I invited several cancer survivors on and they were all folks that had been stage four but they had uh, regressed and or they, they had um the cancer had regressed and mm -hmm. they had and they were doing well and i asked one of the gals what the secret to life was and she she looked at me and she said well when you have one foot in the past and the other foot in the future you're peeing on the present and uh, i thought that was a very unique way of putting that, but it was, it's, it is so true that, that all we have is today. We don't have yesterday. What happened yesterday was yesterday. It has nothing to do with us today. Tomorrow, exactly. we don't know. And the truth of the matter is what you said five minutes ago was the past. And it's what we're saying now that builds the future, but it's what's happening right now that makes us happy or not happy. You know, it's interesting that you say building the future, because that is one of the things that you're working on. You're working with executives. You're working with the healthcare system. You're working on trying working to tell us about that work. Well, what I believe is that we're all nurturers in some way or form. And I believe that we start to feel overwhelmed, isolated, burned out, all sorts of things in a negative sense. when we can't seem to juggle all those balls in the air and we think we're going to drop one. And what I do is I work with people, whether they're executives not in healthcare or in healthcare, many of them are balancing the added stress of a special needs child, a partner or spouse that has um, a medical challenge like cancer or some severe chronic disease, or they have aging parents that are moving back in with them or nearby or far away that they still need to address their difficulties. And they don't know how to do all that and do it and feel like they're still in control of their life. And I take them from learning self-care for themselves because like when you're on a plane and you're told put your own oxygen on before you help the person next to you, if you don't take care of yourself, how do you expect anyone First, how do you think you're going to have the ability to help somebody else? And how do you expect that if you don't value yourself and your own needs, that anyone would appreciate your own value for you? 
you you can only be appreciated if you appreciate yourself because it's the internal drive that really makes us happy. We just think it's all those external drives that will satisfy us. You know, when uh, the, we talked uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you mentioned the uh, the airplane and the and the airbag thing, and I've used that several times now, and it's a great metaphor for taking care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, and the reason, in case you don't know or never have flown, um, if if the airbags are deployed, it's because um, they, there's an oxygen problem in the cabin that uh, the oxygen is, is uh, leaving the cabin or there's some problem with it. And so the oxygen level is going low. And if you try and put the mask on somebody else before you put it on yourself, you're liable to pass out and then you're no good to anybody. So the, the whole concept is that uh, you take care of yourself and then you're in a position to take care of somebody else. And right. And then you work on deepening the relationships with somebody else so that you feel a greater connection. So you no longer feel isolated, alone and burned out completely. And sure, there are some reasons why you feel burned out. And I can share lots of tips on how to prevent each one of these problems. If you find yourself feeling burned out, isolated, alone or whatever else and overwhelmed. But then how do we build a sustainable force where we feel accountable individually and collectively and responsible so that the whole organization or our family, our team, whatever it is, our friendship circle, we all thrive. Because the truth of the matter is we all don't want to feel like we're struggling to survive. We want to feel like we've arrived. We thrive. And thriving doesn't mean that we have more materialistic things. It means we have quality of life. And quality of life is really built on relationships. And I love the fact that you're working with executives. Because uh, I, I have another guest whose name escapes me at the moment. But, but he also works with executives. And the reason he does that, he's been in the uh, coaching industry for a long time. And the reason he does that is because they can have a more direct impact on more people than, than almost anybody else. Because if he changes, if he can convince an executive to change the culture of their organization from being one of hate, negativity, and fear, and, and those things to one of positivity and love and acceptance and everybody's working together for the common good. Not only does turnover go down, not only do expenses go down, but uh, productivity goes up and uh, innovation goes up. It's all good things. And I don't know that, I don't think that's an accident that, that when, when you have positivity in the room, all good things can happen a lot better. Is that what your experience is? Absolutely. That's exactly what I believe. I believe when the culture is right, all stakeholders benefit. Everything improves. And it really requires better conversations, empathic conversations, where we take the time not just to check boxes that we have diversity present or whatever the in thing is and that we do inclusive inclusivity and equity, but that people feel like they're welcome and they belong, and that we actually take steps to make sure that we don't just give lip service, but we actually make people feel 
that they're appreciated and valued because when they're, we feel recognized and that somebody cares about us, we thrive. That's all it is. And once we thrive, the rest is history. You know, we're more productive. We have more positive energy and it keeps mirroring. We have neurons that reflect back to us and those good, feel good hormones that we have require us to get sleep and eat right, but they also require us to bond with other people and have that experience of people caring about us. I want to give you two scenarios, and I've experienced them both. First scenario is in, you're in the break room. You're with your uh, fellow workers, and it's break time. And in the corner of the break room is a little box, and it says employee suggestion box. And every uh, six months or so, somebody will come down and they'll empty that box. And then they'll, they'll take that stuff and they'll put it on somebody's desk and it'll just sit there. The other scenario that I've also been part of is where the CEO of the company or the branch manager or the, or the plant manager will come into the break room and sit down and have lunch with the folks and talk to them like human to human level. The, the gentleman that did that, his company was far more successful than the other one that was just paying lip service to the employee. Right. Because even when someone gives you a suggestion, they're, if they don't know that you're acting on it, it's they're never going to give it again. And the word gets around real fast. And what people are looking for is validation. And they want to know that you mean what you say, that you're walking your talk. And so you may not have the answer for someone, but did you get back to them and say, I'm still working on it. I haven't forgotten you. It's just taking way longer than I expected. There are other challenges that that ripple into this that I didn't realize. And I will share them with you as soon as I get a little bit more information. You know, just communicate. And that's all people want. They want to know what's going on. They don't want to feel afloat. You know, we have different perspectives, but it's, again, those stories that we tell ourselves because people think different than us and behave different than us. We all have different habits. What works for me doesn't work for you. And that's okay. It doesn't have to. But what we have to do is be more accepting of others and trusting of others. And that only happens when we have really good, clear listening and communication and empathy in the room. And we aren't just listening to someone to re react and respond back, but we're listening to them to understand what they say, to hear them and see their whole person, not just part of them. And that makes a big difference. You know, I look at so many things through the angles of experiences I've had, or that my son that has significant um, challenges in life from birth, all because somebody else assumed they knew the answer better than me. And they knew my body better than me, even though I was also a physician. And so that's when I realized that we need to put humanity back, not just into healthcare, but into the world. We're all just bickering with each other because we aren't taking the time 
to really understand a whole person in front of us. It's like in medicine, you can't just treat symptoms and diseases because there's a whole person behind all those. And, you know, you may know what's best in terms of the disease, but you don't know what's best for them. A healthy diet and you give them one way and they don't eat those foods is a waste of time. Telling someone to go exercise, but not finding out what things they like so that they actually might do them is a waste of time. You know, what works for me won't work for you. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example of that. Can I, okay. can I do that? Can I do that? Because, uh, Absolutely. Uh, See, one of the one of the things I hate, I I did I say hate? Okay, I did. I terribly dislike of of um, you know the the ellipticals and the and standing in one place, you're not getting anywhere, and you're and you're working out and stuff. But you know what I do like? I like to play games, and I and now I've figured out that there are certain uh, virtual reality games, and there's a headset that you can buy. It's not very expensive, and uh, then you can play like ping pong. And it's like you're really playing ping pong, and you work up a sweat doing that, or boxing. I I, I get to, uh, um, and so I have figured out that I can get moving and do some stuff without having to just do the stuff that everybody else. Does. So be inventive with yourself. Find out something you like to do, and then go do it. Would that be some of your advice? Absolutely. I delve into the whole person to find out what their interests are, their hobbies are, what things do they do that they really don't like so much? What things do they really value that make them feel good? And you stick with the ones they really value and you try to weed them off of the ones that they don't value. And the truth of the matter is, if someone likes something, they're going to do it. I know that my husband once said to me, well, you like exercise. I don't. I said, no, I don't like exercise, but guess what? About 18 years ago now, I managed to make a ridiculous fall when I was in great condition in a grocery store. And I slipped on some something that was on the floor that shouldn't have been there when I was trying to do a good deed and put something back that I realized I didn't want to use. And rather than just leave it right where I was. And what I realized was that I fractured my hip oh. and I was way too young to do that. But worse than that, I ended up on crutches for a year. Oh. And so I said to him, no, I don't like exercise. The thought of it is horrible. I have to do it in the morning because I'm never going to do it once I've showered and dressed. And I said, but I despise the thought of having to be on crutches again for a year. So I will not let that happen because of something I didn't take care of. It can happen. I recognize that. But it won't be because I didn't do the things that I need to do to keep my bones as strong as possible. And drink lots of milk and calcium and all that, you know, all that yeah. stuff. You know how to take care of yourself. Sure. Um, but I wanted to ask you, too, because I, I was looking at your um, – at your website, and some of the, you're talking about making healthcare more, I, for lack of a better term, customer friendly. Does that does that ring a bell? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of gaps in healthcare. There's gaps between administration and physicians and nurses, or you know, the healthcare pr practitioners. There's gaps between the department chairs and the 
frontline. There's gaps between what the physician thinks and the patient thinks. We don't include all either a patient or if they're not able, their family member as a full member part of our caregiving team. And there are people that do that. So I don't want to make healthcare wrong per se, but we need to improve upon it. When we tell people things and we speak to them, we think we've said it in such a warm and cuddly way. And yet we haven't stopped to look at the reaction. And the reaction sometimes is just a glimmer of a impression that you saw in their eyes or the way their body kind of moved for a minute, their facial expression, whatever it is, or what they're saying the word behind the words because their words may be the wrong choice because it's a different language to them or they didn't understand what you were saying. And that miscommunication and that feeling of being isolated in that you're not caring about me, just about your time and your practice is very unsettling for patients and their families. And everyone wants to feel important. And that's all it is. So how do you support them in what they need and still take care of yourself? And it's really hard because physicians, well, pandemic has made it even worse, but physicians have now been treated like it's a business. And so they're told you have to get certain number of patients in every hour. And if you don't do that, you're not gonna get a salary that you want or a bonus or whatever. And um, there's ways that you can help physicians to do it more efficiently and effectively. But healthcare also, we've now put in so many guidelines and rules and processes, and some of them are not for the improvement of the recipient. And when I say that, you know, you can go and get your annual whatever exam you need whether it's something like for women, a mammogram, or for men, some other exam. And you go and, you know, you're greeted, you're, you're ushered in every step of the way, but you feel like when you're finished, you were on a conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. Everybody was very kind. The place might hopefully was clean and, you know, whatever. But nobody saw you. You were seen as an object moving through. And, you know, they kind of rotely told you everything you needed to know, but nobody was really communicating with you and seeing you as a person. And how are you? And what are you taking from this? And, you know, what can I share with you about me that relates to you? They, uh, there is this, this thing that, and it, it seems to be newer because I'm, I'm a little, well, as you can tell, I'm a little older, and so I've been around a while, and it didn't seem to be this way. It didn't used to be this way, but now it seems like they're always looking at their watch. I got, you know, I've got, I've got 20 minutes per person. I've got to get three in per hour. I've got to get in. What is that? Uh, 18 patients in a day. Mm -hmm. I've got to do their do, do the paperwork. I've got to do so. I don't have a lot of time to sit here and chitty chat. When you're in the doctor's office and, and you've got a health scare or you've got something going on with you that you don't know, it's a very frightening thing. And you need that support from that physician because you may not have family or friends and you really do need that. How do, how do they fix that so well, that they can do I work, 
I love what you're asking that because when I work with, whether it's healthcare staff or patients and families, I try to get them to understand that neither side is trying to be a difficult patient or family, a different, difficult colleague, a difficult physician. Everybody's operating from their fear zone, their worries about, and their anxieties about, I don't have enough time. I am thinking about my child at home that is home from school today or sick and, you know, or my parent that needs something, or uh, am I going to be good enough and get the diagnosis right now? She's been to three other doctors and nobody has been able to satisfy her. What's going on? And so everyone's coming with their own worries to the table. And it's how can we just share that and help each other understand we're not, we're all on the same team. We're not enemies. We all care about each other and want each other to do well. And we don't always take the time as a patient or um, family member to understand that the physicians are also being bombarded with electronic healthcare records that they've got to fill out and they need they didn't sign up for that when they went into medicine. They signed up to treat patients and take care of them. And they've lost that joy because it became a business somehow or another. And they're told they don't have time to spend with you, but it's not because they don't want to. So how can you make the 10 minutes feel like 15? And how can you restore your energy when you have a five minute break is what I do when I'm working with healthcare professionals and lots of other things, depending on what their overwhelming issues are. But they need to also be able to have breaks and to feel restore themselves and feel like human beings. And sometimes they don't even have time for a meal. And how do you address that? And then there's the patient and the family caregiver, because the family caregiver is probably the most unappreciated, often unpaid person. And some of them are ba balancing full-time jobs at, as well, or certainly other children or other responsibilities. And they're caught also with exhaustion and worn out. And I've watched people who are in caregiving let themselves go because they're so busy addressing the care of somebody else. And it's how can you do it all? So I really work with any person who's struggling to keep all those balls juggling in the air because I've been doing that all my life. Even though I was lucky enough to have a spouse with me all these years to take care of and pitch in with my three children, the truth of the matter is I was like a single parent. He was working in the hospital and one of us had to give and that was me and I went down a different path in order to be supportive and take care of our special needs child as well as my other two daughters and each of them had their issues and the two girls ended up thriving in their respective careers but it took a lot of work because they also had learning disabilities early on and how to overcome them and how to overcome all the assumptions that people make that we think we have to fit into and how you can be your own person and find your own way 
And then when I went to Saudi Arabia, it was all over again, the same thing, you know, trying to find my own path and make it work for my family who was miles away, halfway around the world, actually. And how do I support my husband, make it work, still be able to have my career and be of service to people? And at first, you know, it was hard. And then I figured it out. So let's talk about you for a moment. You are working to help people every day and with a positive attitude and trying to and trying to build that into folks and, and help them to see something different. What is it about you? Where did this come from? How long have you had this? Is this something that, that you felt a calling to do when you were very young? Was there something that, that magic, did an angel come down and hit you on the head with a wand and say, you're going to be this now? Oh, it, that sounds cool. My grandchildren <laughs> would like that one. Um, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, but it is funny. When I was younger as a child in, I don't remember, third or fourth grade, I was reading a book called Death Be Not Proud. And it was about a father who was writing and mother that were writing about their son who had a slow-growing brain tumor. And what had happened and how he actually lived a full life till his 20s when he finally died from his uh, brain tumor. And ironically, I ended up marrying, I became a physician, married a brain surgeon. But I remember thinking at that time, that's going to be me. I didn't know what that meant. But I said, I'm going to have a child that needs me to be there like these parents are for this child. And sure enough, I have a child with significant challenges. I certainly never spend a day that I don't wish that he had not had to have those challenges. But I will say that on most days, he's probably happier than most other people. So that says a lot. Absolutely. You're born into the body that you have and you, you, you take your circumstances. But, and it, but it's, it's interesting because you be careful what you wish for. Because sometimes it comes true. I know. I didn't really wish for it. I just <laughs> felt it was going to be me. And when, you know, I think that you can actually, I mean, I can train empathy, but you can train it to improve and it gets better and better. But, you know, some people are just off the charts with it. And I just like always had that feeling. I mean, it was embarrassing when I would be flying home to my kids from Saudi Arabia and I'd be on that plane and I'd watch some movie and the tears would be rolling down my eyes and I'm going, this is just a movie. But I was like in with them. I was feeling it for them. You know, I, I, I kind of wonder about that because uh, I've always been, uh, I was a happy child, I'm told, that I would be in the playpen and and my, my grandma told me this story. She said, you were in the playpen and I would wander by and I'd pick you up and give you love and put you down and you'd say thanks and that was it and you were just happy and happy as could be. And, and, so, and our, it appears like some of us are born a little bit differently than others of us. As far as well, I think it's what your expectations are, you know, um, if you are going to have expectations, like I have to do this, I have to be happy. You don't know what that means. You can't be happy if you just enjoy the moment and find the joy in the moment. 
you are happy. You suddenly realize, wow, I am happy. I'm, and you, you know, just spend the time looking outside at the world and it's beautiful. It's beautiful when it rains. It's beautiful when the sun's out. It's even beautiful in a strange way when there's a sandstorm because that became my world for five years in Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, but there's beauty in everything. There's flowers, there's birds chirping, whatever it is that brings um, that inspiration to you um, and motivates you to go on and put one foot in front of the other and just enjoy the moment because when we're more present, it really um, makes a difference. Absolutely. Dr. Karen, if somebody wants to work with you, how do they do that? Well, they can either contact me on my website or they can go to um, info at drdrkaren.org or through my email, um, at, which is harder to remember. So probably info at drkaren.org is the easier way, Dr. Karen. But um you know, I'm always taking on new clients, both individually and as groups, and working on helping people to just thrive and be more positive. Because when you learn how to juggle those balls and not worry that you're going to be a failure, you may fail at something in the moment, but you're just not going to be a failure. You know, there's that, that old saying, well, I don't know how old it is because he wasn't gone. He hasn't been gone that long, but, uh, that, uh, Edison, uh, who developed the electric light bulb, um, failed a thousand times before he found the right, uh, combination of things that made it work. They call him a wild success, but in, he said himself later in life, yeah, I, I'm, I developed it, but it took me a thousand times of doing it wrong to get it right. And uh, that's part of the growth process. We all have yeah. that. We have to be resilient, but there is a cap on it if we don't stop to restore ourselves and do some self-care. Balance. That seems to be the key. Yeah. And I don't know that you can actually balance, Kevin. I call it more integration because the truth of the matter is, you know, the people that talk about work-life balance or something, it's how do you integrate it? Because Sometimes you do have more things going on at work on a given day. And sometimes sure. you have more things going on at home and or wherever. And it's how do you kind of integrate them and how can you um, reach out for your allies and get help when you need it so that you're not alone and you can do it all. And I marvel at the people that do do it all and the people that are fearful that they can't it's just that story in their head we're back to square one like we started you it's know, amazing how that goes around <laughs> because you know that and that you, i think you're right and when i say balance i mean that you your your life has to make sense to you in a way that that you can you can restart every day fresh and feel good about where you're at and that sort of thing. And and balance might mean five minute meditations in between in between work. It might not be that you get to play a round of golf every Saturday afternoon because you've got a lot of other things going. It's it's just you know it's and taking care of yourself and those people around you. And even I tell people when you get in bed, spend two minutes before you go off to Dreamland and reflect. 
What could I have done better today? What did I do really well today? What am I grateful for that came my way today? And what am I planning to make happen tomorrow? Because you can make it happen. We can't control everything, but some of the things we can control partially and some not at all. But anything you can control and you don't, well, whose fault is that? You can blame all the people in the world for your being a victim, but you did it to yourself. And most of us sabotage ourselves. And we've all been there and done that. I know I have for many a thing. And I sit there and I go, well, I can't do this or I won't do that. But suddenly when push comes to shove, I can. And then I realize it's a choice. And I can either choose to do something or not do it. I can reach out to someone for help if I'm stuck or just sit around and be frustrated and brood and say life is miserable. And it's really a choice. It, 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 everything absolutely is a choice. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've been, uh, do you, you ever go on YouTube and, and watch some uh, near-death uh, um, um, people that have had near-death experiences and then come back? And, well, and, I've uh, spoken to a few people like that, that have had that, but. Oh, yeah. Well, and one, one of the things that they say a lot is they have this life review thing. Mm -hmm. And you go and, and you have this life review. But the twist on it is, you're taking it from the position of the people that you positively or negatively impacted in your life. And one of my driving factors now is I don't want to have that conversation with myself that I was mean to people unnecessarily, that, that I was not, that, that, uh, that I hurt people, whether I knew it or not, and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, 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 and it, that is a choice. You can, if, when you're at the grocery store, it's your choice if you want to say in a nice tone to the cashier, how are you today? I hope everything's going well for you. Or, you know, I hope that like, your life is good or, or whatever. It's, it's your choice. Or you can sit there and be mean and say, those carrots are more expensive than they're supposed to be, you know. And, you know, we, and we and certainly the person at the checkout has nothing to do with that. <laughs> they, but they're the one that's standing in front of you and you get to vent on, on them because you, it, it's, the, your self-satisfaction is, say, I told them, she doesn't yeah. care. She's like... Right. It's so funny you said that. I was traveling once from work and I was going through um, the line and the security and most people were so hassled by it. It was early in the morning and the line was really long and it was like already seven or eight in the morning, but I had been up since five in the morning on a time change in the whole nine yards. And I get to the guy and he checks my credentials, you know, like your passport and whatever, your picture and asks you the typical questions. And I said, thank you. Have a great day. And he looked at me and he said, oh my God, you're the first person that said that to me in three days, if not ever. I can't thank you enough. You've made my day. And I was like, wow. That made me feel so good to know I had given him that gift. Exactly. And I've got a similar story. When I, I was a bus driver for uh, 12 years, and I made it for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons, I made it a point 
anytime that anybody got on my bus, I said, hi, how are you? Or, or hello, nice to see you again, or something. So I engaged with everybody that got on my bus. The weird thing about that is, uh, Dr. Karen, is that I received responses by about 25% of the people that, that would rather, that would say, if I were to say to them, how are you today? Oh, <laughs> most of the time it was a grunt and they moved on. And had I taken that to heart, that that was, but to see that their response to what I said had absolutely do nothing to do with me. Well, that's what I tell people. We're so quick to judge others, but we've all been there. We have, I believe we all have good intentions. Our impact isn't always so good because somebody misunderstood the words we said. They heard it differently or you accentuated it in a different way and or you reminded. I had someone that re, I reminded them of their mother. I was like, you're five <laughs> years younger than me and I remind you of your mother. But for whatever reason, I did. And he had a lot of trouble dealing with it until I finally sat him down and said, Hey, enough. I am not your mother. <laughs> That's funny. Um, it, it is so funny because when I was driving a bus, sometimes I would have somebody because I said hello to everybody. I would have somebody that would pay his fare and gruffly walk on by. And I would say, well, thank you very much. Have a good day. And they would turn around and like, what'd you say? Because apparently not everybody that drives a bus is particularly friendly. And so, so it's so they. And then they share a different perspective. Maybe they thought you were being sarcastic, that they. That's exactly didn't right. Do something and that you were expecting them to do something and now you were judging them as bad. And you didn't mean that either, of course, because I know you just from our several interactions that. You absolutely didn't mean that. Of course not. But if they were in a bad way that day and something had gone wrong, that's how they heard it. And so I tell people, most of people's reactions to us or in spite of us that they don't even react are because they're deep in their own thoughts or in their own worries or they're reacting to something from yesterday or five minutes earlier. It has nothing to do with you. I once watched, well, there, it was someone in a team meeting, somebody showed up, didn't show up. And when they finally showed up, they were berated in front of everyone. Oh, dear. Why aren't you prepared? And here this person who had arrived late just burst out into tears and walked out of the room. And do you know why they were late? Their father had died the night before. And that's why he was terminally ill and things were falling apart. And this person that had a track record for always getting things done on time had been berated in front of everyone else. Instead of saying, hey, I know you always have things done on time and really well. What's going on? Can I support you? And she would have told them and they would have given her the support she needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great story. 
That's a great story. Now, in in my case, see, I'm, I I I'm, I'm, I have a big mouth. I don't know if you know that, but occasionally I get myself into trouble uh, with, by saying stuff that is totally it's totally innocent. But but one time I was a dining room manager at a at a, a local uh, restaurant here, and we were on a waiting list, and the uh, a gal and an Asian lady walked up, and she said, uh, and I said, "Can I put your name on the list?" And she said, "Yeah, my name's Yamamoto." And said, oh, that's the general that, or that's the admiral that led the attack on Pearl Harbor. Nice to meet you. And wrote it down. Well, I, the next day I got called in by the food and beverage director because she called in and complained because she was assuming that I was making a disparaging remark about her having the same name as the admiral that, that bombed Pearl Harbor. And it wasn't that at all. It's just I'm a student of history. And uh, so that's, so it was an innocent thing. And a lot of us do that. And uh, so cut each, we need to cut each other a break. We do, but my guess is that you learn from that, and the next time someone gave that name, you either didn't say anything, or you, if you said it because you still love history and you couldn't help yourself, and you said, "But no, I don't judge you bad from that at all. I just had, I, I just love history, and you know, I'm sorry it's in a bad connotation, but yeah, see, very it's, it's, cool that you have the same name." And then some of the, some of those things, I have no earthly idea that somebody could actually take it any other way than what how I intended it. And I think that that's what the problem is. I mean, that's why we have wars around the world, and we all grow up thinking, you know, I've met people that think they can't like someone with a different religion. And when I was in Saudi Arabia, you learned there was so I lived with expats. There were so many religions present, so many different countries present. And I lived and worked with all these people. And the truth of the matter is, we can't always even mention what our religion is because it's not always accepted. And there's, in today's world, we really make lots of assumptions about someone's religion. And most of the bad things that we think about in a particular religion are very few people. It's not the religion itself it's not, those people have misinterpreted what their um, religious book tells them to do and their um, values have just been knocked off the counter. And it's up to us to help rectify it. And when people do bad things, yes, there's some bad apples in the group, but understand also, they may not wanna do that, but they fell into the wrong hands. You know, they fell into the wrong community. And maybe that was because we didn't safeguard them when they were falling down and they couldn't eat and they couldn't find food and they were being um, biased. Things were happening that were not allowing them to get a job or whatever it is. And we make assumptions like, oh, we have so many jobs and nobody's filling them now. So what's wrong with all these people? What's wrong is that they don't have transportation to get to these jobs or they have no one to watch their children at home. There's lots of reasons why they're not jumping at some job and we shouldn't judge so quickly. Well, and, and then there's also there's also the fact like uh, there's lots and lots. Apparently, there's lots and lots of assistant manager jobs that that are going unfilled because 
the hours are long, the pay is low, you get to work the off hours, you're not in charge, you're the and stuff. And a lot of people are saying these days, nah, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. And so Well, I think it's because we all want to matter. Yes, indeed. And we all want to know that our work matters, not just that we matter. Um, both things. And that somebody really cares about us. So when you start to realize, especially during a pandemic, like we've been experiencing the last two years, where you feel like I'm sitting in here, I'm working my tail off, I'm juggling things, and no one seems to notice or care. Because we just make these arbitrary rules that we think are sound rules and policies, whether it's in government and politics or more locally in your neighborhood or your particular organization, or even parents for children. And we do it from our past experiences or our assumptions of what should work and should be, instead of co-creating it with our children, with our team members, with our staff, and with the people that we do it all for, whether they're customers, patients, clients, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. And we forget to include people. And when we don't include them and get their voices out there, especially when they're vulnerable, some of them, we're doing everyone a disservice. We break down and we don't get that innovation and creativity and the joy of life. And that's all we really want. That's exactly right. By the way, we've been talking with Dr. Karen Rigamonti. Go to drkaren.org to find out more information about her. You can work with her and you can book her to do some work with your organization and your hospital or with just yourself. She is dynamic and uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Karen, I want to honor your time and, and uh, I could talk to you for hours, but, but uh, you've, been, you've been a joy. But before we go... Oh. Want, <laughs> before we go, I want to give you the opportunity to talk to our audience now and in the future about anything that you would like them to know. Well, I want them to know that they do matter and they are valued and appreciated and they should stop to smell the roses or whatever flower they of their choice <laughs> and just realize there are people out there rooting for them. And if they can't find their path alone, then reach out. Um, there's always a way. We all need support. None of us can do it alone. It takes a community. And if you have a parent or a friend or a um, spouse that can help you, great. But if you don't and you need a mentor, advisor, coach, whatever it is, the greatest athletes, the greatest celebrities, every one of them has a coach. No one does it on their own. There's a team. I have to tell you that there's a financial gentleman that I know, a good friend of mine. He is, he makes uh, six digits, uh, the middle six digits numbers, and they're crooked numbers every year and stuff. He's a financial analyst. He has a financial coach. Exactly. But he's wildly successful, and he and he told me he said, "Nope, nope. I need I need somebody to look in from the outside to to, to show me my blind spots." Yeah, because we all have those blind spots, and we all think that we're expected to know everything. And in today's world, that's literally impossible to do. And we all need some kind of support, and we all need to know that people are rooting for us. And 
you know, what I tell people is you do matter. There is a team for you and you need to have people that want to connect with you because we all do. What I would hate for any of your listeners is to feel like they are struggling to advocate for themselves. They can't um, continue because they're feeling burned out, isolated, alone, overwhelmed. They're juggling so much. And they keep saying, I've got to wait. I don't have the time and the money right now. I have, it's not a good time. When this happens, everything will be better. That there's no time like now. What I would hate is that three months from now or three years from now, they're still looking at why didn't this happen and why didn't this go better? It only will when you start addressing it. So act now and not wait for some miracle because the miracle is you acting. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm so, I'm so grateful because I get to talk to people like you all the time. I interviewed a gentleman yesterday that, uh, his grandmother and his father, uh, the father was going to take his grandmother home. She'd spent the weekend with them. They walked out of the house. They never saw them again because uh, they were killed in an automobile accident. And for, fast forward years later, um, he was at school, and I uh, got called to the principal's office, and they said, I'm sorry to tell you, but your mom was killed in a car accident as well. So my point here is never let anybody leave your life Never, never let, let any day go by without telling the people that you know and love that you love them and to take care of each other. Because, you know, like I always say, each other's all we got. So Yes, but it does start with the one person you have the most time with, which is yourself. Because I say me, myself, and I have to like each other before I can reach out to you. That's right. Become we. That's right. Dr. Karen, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on the program. It's been great to talk with you and be with you, Kevin, and I look forward to more times together. We're going to do this again, you betcha, because uh, uh, that, that, that'll just be fun. So so I want to thank you again. Go, by the way, we've been talking with Dr. Karen Rigamonti. Go to her website, which is Dr. Karen, and that's, by the way, drkaren.org. So thank you, thank you, Karen, for being here. And uh, by the way, everybody, take care of each other because, you know, and, and let me add something new there. Take care of yourself before you can take care of others because each other and yourself is all you got. So you might as well. I like that better. Only go through the world once, so let's get it right the first time. You might as well. Um, yes. So thank you, Dr. Karen, and you have yourself a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.